So welcome to Exodus 19, A Nation Married to Yah, with your host Richard Massey. I pray that you're having a blessed Sabbath, and I also pray that whatever you and your family are going through, that Yah gives you the strength to go through it. So last week we talked about Paul and the law. And we tried to talk on the different scriptures and chapters that that were confusing as far as Paul was concerned. Chapters that are used to try to prove a point both ways, whether he was of the law or not. So we're going to call this one Paul and the law too. This week, I'm just going to go through some physical attributes that Paul did. So Paul says one thing, but then in his actions, he does another. And I just wanted to point out these things because maybe they were overlooked on your site. And maybe this could also prove that the law is necessary and that Paul is not against the law. And that's what this podcast is all about. Hallelujah. So let's get started again. We're going to read again, 2 Peter 3. And it says, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable wrestle, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. So Peter is saying that Paul's writings are hard to understand and that they that are unlearned or unstable, they wrestle with this. And as they do the other scriptures that Paul has has written. And this is a concern and this is something that we need to be observing to make sure that we're not misunderstanding Paul's writings. Because, again, Paul cannot be the only writer or only person in the book that is going against the law. Because Paul is a big a big name in the Bible that most people turn to to prove that the law is not necessary. So is Paul saying that the law is not necessary? So in his writings, it appears that that's what he's saying. But now we're going to look at his actions to see if that's actually how he lives his life. So we're going to go to Acts 15, 21. Acts 15, 21. For Moshe of old time hath in every city them that preach him, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. So again, the Sabbath being six o'clock Friday night till six o'clock. Saturday night. That's the 24 hour of the Sabbath. So that's when they that's when they preached. Okay. 7 p.m. Saturday is the beginning of the first day of the week is beginning of Sunday. Even though it's on Saturday by our calendar, it's actually starting Sunday. That's the way the Bible reads. It says, For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. Then pleased it the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and with Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barshabas, 
and Silas, chief men among the brothers. And they wrote letters by them after this manner, the apostles and elders and brethren sent greetings unto the brethren, which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Caesarea. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying ye must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. So see in reading 24, it says, for as much as we have heard that certain, that certain which went out from us have troubled you with, with words. So, so a couple guys went out and they started uh, troubling your spirit with what they were saying. So it says, subverting your soul, saying, ye must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we have no such commandment. So can, is, is he saying ye must be circumcised and keep the law? So the whole Bible in the New Te Old Testament, they, they were circumcised, right? Even Yahshua was circumcised. The Bible says that, that there was a certain uh, time of her purity that Mary, that Mary didn't go up to Jerusalem. So it can't be saying that you don't have to be circumcised. And it can't be saying that you don't have to keep the law. That's what this whole point is about. So let me get... The NIV, and I'm going to read 24 from the NIV, it says, We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So the NIV doesn't mention the circumcised part and the keeping of the law part. If I can explain what's going on here is, these Gentiles in Antioch and in Syria, the Jews do not want to load them up with the law at the very beginning. There's a lot of things that these guys are going through, these Gentiles, and the Jews are trying to start them off slowly, not to overwhelm them. They'll get to the circumcision later. They'll get to uh, more things in the law later. Right now, they have a bigger fish to fry with getting these guys on point. So that's what that scripture is saying. Even though Paul wrote it, that ye must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. Now, maybe they didn't get to that part with them yet. And these guys went over there and started preaching on that or teaching on that. And that wasn't what Paul, Paul and those guys were wanting to do right now. Because the Bible says that they went over there without authority. So maybe they never talked to Paul and the other guys about what they were going to say. Because obviously they just went over there without any permission or authorization. So it's clearly not saying that they don't have to be circumcised. And it's clearly not saying that they don't have to keep the law. It's just saying that we have in our minds some things we wanted to address first to slowly progress these guys over to everything later on. Hallelujah. Let's go down to, let's go to Acts 17 and 1. Acts 17 and 1. And when they had passed through Amphil 
Lophus, and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures. So Paul, for three Sabbath days, only on Sabbath, never the first day of the week, never, let's just say Saturday night, did he preach other than the Sabbath. And this is just redundant, but it's just to drive home the different writings, well, not the different writings, but the different places that it says the same thing. Now, I'm going to, I think I'm going to have a place where he did preach at a different time. We'll see why. But it said that Paul reasoned with them out of the scriptures, right? So they didn't have the old, the New Testament like we have. All they had was the Old Testament. If you think about it, when he's uh, reasoning with them out of the scriptures, what did he have? But the Old Testament, open, opening and allegating that Yahshua, the Hamashiach, must needs have suffered and raised again from the dead, and that his Yahshua, whom I preach unto you, he is the Hamashiach. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Christ Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few, which was, which was many. But the Jews, which believed not, who with envy took unto, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. Why? And, and this is going on today too, right? I have to watch you do everything that you want to do, and love it. I can't say nothing against it at all. I could lose my job. I could lose my livelihood. I could lose everything because I spoke against what you're doing. But because I'm teaching the people what I believe, the fear for you is that somebody might like what I'm saying. Makes you so mad that you want to even go as far as killing me or having me silenced by losing my job or being killed or something. It just amazes me because even if you got me to, to be quiet, what I'm saying is going to happen is still going to happen. It's almost like blindly you just don't want to see it. So just wanted to point out in Acts 17, one that Paul, he uh, went unto them in three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scripture. See, even Paul at this time, he's reasoning and going back and forth and trying to prove points and, and you know, trying to convert these guys and get these guys to see what he's trying to say. And a lot of people, a lot of women, you know, a great multitude and of the chief women, not a few, which means it was a lot, agreed with them. But you're always going to have some that's not going to like, because it messes with their agenda of what they're trying to do. Let's go to Acts 18. Acts 18. Acts 18, 16. And he drove, drove them from the judgment seat. And all the Greeks took Synotheus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. And Gallio cared for none of those things. And Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while. 
and then took his leave of the brother and sailed thence to Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shone his head in Centria, for he had a vow. This is the Nazarene vow that Paul is shaving his head for. Yeah. This is the same vow that that Samson took. He's shaving his head. That's the law. Right? And he came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. He's trying to explain, trying to break down, trying to teach the Jews still. Right? But when they desired him to tarry no longer time with them, he consented not. They didn't want to hear it, right? But bade him farewell, saying, I must by all means keep the feast that cometh to in Jerusalem, but I will return again unto you if if Elohim will, and he sailed from Ephesus. So he said twenty-one, but bade them farewell, farewell, farewell saying, I must at all means keep this feast. There's one of the three high days or holy days that's going on right now to where you have to return back to Jerusalem. That's the law. So as Paul, if Paul is saying that you don't have to keep the law, but then he's physically doing it, this is a contradiction. And then you have to ask yourself, are you following a man that's a liar? So either you're misreading or he he's not writing clear enough for you to learn what he's saying. Or he's a liar. He's writing one thing, but then physically he's doing something totally different. He says, I must, I must at all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem. There's only three times a year. That men are supposed to go before uh, Elohim, Yah. The three feasts, I do believe, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of the Tabernacle, and the Feast of the Trumpet. Three times the men are supposed to travel to Jerusalem for these feasts. All right, let's go to Acts 20, Acts 20 and 6. And when we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and came unto them to Taros in five days where we abode seven days. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow and continue his speech until midnight. So this is the one I was talking about. So the Sabbath is from 6 p.m. Friday night to 6 p.m. Saturday night. So 6.01 is considered, the first day of the week is considered now Sunday at 6.01 Saturday. And it says upon the first day of the week, right? Because now 6 p.m. is approaching, the Sabbath is about to end. When the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart once on, on, let's just say on tomorrow, because he had somewhere to go. So he didn't, he didn't preach 
the first day of the week after midnight, he just continued on and went through the Sabbath into Sunday, which was Saturday afternoon, and continued his speech until midnight. So that's what they're considering uh, the first day of the week, which is now sat Sunday, because he preached past 6 p.m. Saturday. That's because he had some place to go that he continued speaking, but he originally started his whole uh, teaching on the Sabbath, right? So let's read that again, Twenty Acts 20 and 7. It says, and upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight, right? And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Echochus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And Paul was long preaching, because you could tell how long he was preaching. He probably, I don't know when he started as far as the Sabbath is concerned, but he preached well past the Sabbath until midnight. That is a long sermon. And this guy that he's list, that, that's listening to Paul, he fell asleep. And he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft or the third floor and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, trouble not yourselves for his life is in him. Study these scriptures, man. Try to see, try to understand, try to see it if, 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 if I'm telling the truth or not. Let's go to Romans 7, Romans 7 and 6. But now we are delivered from the law. Oh, that being dead with, with it, wherein we are held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. We said last week that the law is not for the righteous, but in you is the law when the when it's necessary to make a decision on breaking it or not. If you see that person that you want, but you know that the law says that that's not who you, what you're supposed to be doing, in your mind, you can contemplate on making a romance out of that situation. Yeah, you can, you can go through the whole process, but you still have to make a decision to where when, you're, when the law is coming up and saying, you shall not, you can still shout. You can still do it, but the law, don't tell me the law didn't tell you, didn't rise up in you and tell you that this is not of God, but you decided to do it anyway. So you have a decision that you can make. That's what salvation is. Yeshua came down here. He walked. Uh, there was no sin that was not, uh, you know, recognized by him. He taught us how to walk this walk. So that's why he is considered salvation that brings us eternal life. So you can see this person that you want, that you're interested in, that you know you're married, but you shouldn't do it. You can know that you shouldn't do it, but do it anyway. Right. It says, but now we are delivered from the law. So if you have something that you want to do that goes against the law. Right. 
If the law rises up into you and, and talks you out of doing it, you will deliver it from the law. Because why? Because you're dead to it now. You decided I'm not going to do it. It's not worth it. That makes the law dead to you. But the, you can't tell me that the Ruach HaKadosh did not, did not remind you that that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Right? That we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Right? The New Testament. What shall we say then? Is, a, is the law sin? Elohim forbid. No, it's not sin. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. Because the law, because of the law, it showed me that what I'm thinking, what I'm doing is wrong. So that's how I know that it's wrong. For I had not known lust except the law has said thou shalt not covet it. But sin, taken occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of compunctuous. For without the law, sin was dead. Without the law, sin was dead. So when I didn't know the law, sleeping around was cool. But then when somebody explained to me that it was not good for me to do that, I had to stop. Well, make a decision. For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Come on, man. For sin taken occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it slew me. It was killing me. I didn't even know that that was wrong. And I was doing it all my life. And it was killing me. But since I, I understand the law and know that it's wrong and know that there are penalties to it, I have to stop. Or make a decision. It says, wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. So why are we not doing this again? Was then that which is good made death unto me. Elohim forbid. But sin that it might appear sin working death in me by that which is good. That sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. But what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. I have a decision to make. And that's why we said in one of the episodes, just say you like how that sin makes you feel. Just be honest. Don't tell me you don't. Don't tell me you don't know what you're doing. Don't tell me you don't follow. You don't have to follow the law. You're fighting this because you know that whatever you're doing, however you're doing it, it makes you feel good. Point blank in the story. It makes you feel good. So now you're going to build up this case that the law is not necessary. But then there's some laws that you do and then there's some laws that you don't do. I am so confused. Some laws you obey, some laws you dis discard. First John 3 and 1. First John Three and one. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of Elohim. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of Elohim, and it doeth not yet appear what we should be. But we know that when he appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath hope, hit this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth 
sin transgresseth the law. Explain this to me, how this is not, how they're going against the law. Whosoever committeth sin transgresses or breaks also the law. For sin is a transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. How? By showing us how to avoid them. Salvation. And in him is no sin. Skip down to 21. Beloved, if our heart condemneth us not, we have convinced, we have confidence towards Elohim. And whosoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments. Just hear me pause for a second. That's because I need to think about what that just said. Something that we don't do. But these are not the scriptures that we will read to some that somebody will read to somebody like me. This is the scripture that they'll just keep on going over because they don't have supposedly the anointing to break that scripture down when it's clearly saying what it's saying. And do these things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Yeshua HaMashiach. So these are the two things. You got to believe in his commandments and believe in his son and love one another as he gave us commandment. Right. And he that keepeth his commandment dwelleth in him and he in him. And hereby we know that he abides in us by the spirit or the Ruach, which he hath given us. The Ruach reminds you when you're doing something wrong. Doesn't it say that? So we got two more. Let's go to Second John's 1. Second John 1. I'm going to hurry up. The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. For the truth's sake which dwelleth in us, and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you, mercy and peace from Elohim the Father and from Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received the commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we have from the beginning that we love one another. That's one of the commandments in the Old Testament that Moshe wrote. Keep bringing this up in this second John. Revelations 12, 16 and 17. Revelations 12, 16 and 17. It says, and the earth helped the woman and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood. And and the flood in this case is an army of nations which the dragon cast out of his mouth. So this army is chasing, chasing the woman. So the flood is not actually water, it's actually an army. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war, see, with the remnants of her seed, which kept the commandments of Yah and had the testimony of Yahshua HaMashiach. So the flood is an army that went to war against the woman because they wanted to they wanted to remove the remnant of the woman's seed that kept the commandments. I hope that you guys are having a blessed Sabbath. I hope that you guys are getting something from these podcasts. I hope that you guys are having a good night. Shalom.